You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. At Evernorth Health Services... We believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hey, White Sox fans, special treat for you here. It's Southside Sox Mothership Podcast number 86. I'm your host, your lucky host, host for all 86 of these, Brett Valentini. And it's a Meet the Players podcast. Well, it's a partial Meet the Players podcast. I'm not sure you readers, listeners, viewers out there are in the habit of eating dessert first. You want the good news first. You want the bad news first. Eat dessert last. Well, here at Southside Sox, we eat dessert first. You may not live to be able to eat your dessert, so let's get that out of the way first. So first to have this podcast is going to be the Meet the Players portion, where we get to meet another new Southside Sox staff member. Second half, oh, well, we'll get to it in the second half. We don't really need to tease it too much. It's, it's rough news. It's bad news. I think you can probably anticipate what's going to be. We're going to have a thoughtful talk with our de facto Labor Talks beat writer, a new Southside Sox writer. It's Christina Erdo, and I appreciate you hopping on staff with us and hopping right into this. Oh, oh it's a choice beat. It's I didn't know we had one, but apparently we have a labor beat. And thank you for being our labor beat of writer. Of course. Christina. Thanks for having me. No, it's been great. I mean, I'm in the weeds anyways, paying attention to it and getting angry. So I might as well write about it, right? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, you know, I think I said to the staff as a whole, if not to Christina, that... Um, you really can't think of a a less forgiving subject to have to write on, and I think I cited the the hundred lost White Sox as as being maybe more painful. But really, that was such a ridiculous, I mean, painful but ridiculous, absurd season. That really, that was even there were there were fun aspects to that. Boy, labor talks to date have not been terribly fun. But again, Christina, 
we eat dessert first. So we're going to do a toddler labor, the labor pains of what's going on here this big week <laughs> Ooh, uh, in the second half of this podcast. But let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, first of all, welcome. Thank you for, uh, for hopping on, not just to our staff and not deciding not to even answer me when I asked, but uh, hopping right on to this uh, podcast. I appreciate you joining us. No, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Now, uh, I don't know too, too much about you. We're just getting to know each other. But I am guessing that GPA-wise, IQ-wise, relative to your family, Christina, you rank really high up there because from the background I meet the players, it appears that most of your family, unfortunately, you know, sort of special people, Cubs fans. Uh, how did it happen that you managed to crawl out of uh, that mess and, and, and choose the right side of town to root? That's a good question. There was a lot of pressure, definitely from like my dad is a really big uh, Cubs fan, always has been. And my my brother always was a Cubs fan basically because of him. So um, my grandpa and my uncle, uh, they have always been and were big, um, big Sox fans. So I guess when I was younger to my older cousin, who was like my age, basically uh, was a huge Sox fan as well at the time. So, you know, it was the cool thing to do. And, um, you know, it was different. And I just kind of liked, I liked the, you know, the vibe that we would always go to the games and, um, you know, just like my grandpa and uncle were really passionate about them. And like, my uncle was super cool. So couldn't say no. <laughs> I'm detecting also perhaps a contrarian streak in the, not just in you, but in the Erdo family, given that your dad goes against his dad, which is, that's weird. Okay. Well, it's actually my mom's side. So maybe that's why it makes sense. (laughs) All right. Okay. So it's like, so yeah, like flip flop and every other. Um, And uh, okay. First game experience. Uh, I I can share in this experience of, of sort of being pulled out of, out of school and feeling like you're a VIP because you're getting to go to a ball game. Yes. Uh, tell me a little bit about the first game. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, we were really young. Um, so I probably went to my first game when I was like four or five, I bet. Um, but at least the one that I can remember, I remember I was in first grade. Um, just, you know, we were doing whatever in school and my teacher pulled me away and I was like, Oh no, am I getting in trouble? (laughs) You know, what you usually think of like, Oh God, I did something. Um, but no, my dad had come with, um, one of our family friends and pulled out me and my friend out of school. And we went to one of the games. Um, it was really awesome. I think we caught a ball. I could not tell you who threw it to me. Um, because I was so small, but um, it was an awesome time. I loved it. Uh, not long after that, my older cousin had, um, he gave me a Paul Canerco autograph ball. So like, I was super obsessed with that when I was younger and like Paulie has, you know, always been there when growing up. So he's one of my favorites and, you know, I just kind of fell in love with the team really quick. I've always loved baseball. I grew up with all boys. So, you know, kind of had to learn the sports uh, since I was made the fourth uneven team. So <laughs> just kind of got used to it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, some uh, some folks go well. Some folks go their entire family lives without getting a ball. It was my I marked it down. I was covering the team. I was on the roof of Temple Diablo Stadium in Phoenix because I couldn't get any reception on press row. So I was out on the roof trying to get reception. It was Jake Peavy's first game back after he had been oh injured with his lat. And so that was like such a big deal. You had to be like live tweeting it, even though I don't know what they called it then. Um, <laughs> and that was at, and, and a fall ball came up to, you know, 
came up to the roof. I mean, nobody else is up there. So I'm like, all right, I'm taking it. That was the first ball. I was, that was my birthday. It was, I was, I don't know, 42 or something. That was the first time I ever got a ball, probably even touched a ball. And look at you. You just show up. We were early too. So like we were up standing by trying to get an autograph and we had like this sign that said like it was my birthday. And so I think that like, since we were kind of isolated, they were like, okay, yeah, we'll give you the ball. Um, It was awesome, but (laughs) can't complain. So that's probably the only one though. The only other time I can remember a ball even coming near me, um, which I still have regrets. My friend pushed us out of the way, but we were in Phoenix at Chase Field and sitting in uh, left field and there was a home run smoked and I was like Maddie it's coming like right to us like I swear and she like pushed me out of the way and I was like ready to try to catch it probably would have broke my hand because the guy next to me his did not look good oh yeah Mm. but you know would have been kind of worth it to say like yeah I caught a home run but you know other than that uh, Joe Creedy actually his home run in the game one of the world series I think it was Joe Creedy yeah Um, I was at that game and that was like six rows in front of me too I was like dang it too bad we weren't too much further down <laughs> yeah and the one and the one in Arizona listen you just want to be able to say listen I stepped up and I went yeah. you. you get it whether you break a digits whether you look I mean you know what? I was on a work trip too so it probably would have been better for me to be like hey actually I can't do all this right now like my hand is broken sorry <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> uh yeah my experience getting pulled out of school for game older you know first grades like you know yeah I can imagine you don't know what's going on that was, uh, fr- uh, I mean, I guess it coincides with the loss this, uh, a couple of days ago of Julio Cruz. Uh, it was for the 1983 playoffs. My dad made me feel like a VIP because he pulled me out for game one, or it would have been game three, first game in Chicago. And, and we, you know, he gets, he got really hyped. So he like took me out like, like at noon. I mean, you know, it was a night game. We ended up getting down there and just like standing outside the park for like three hours. Cause you know, he's like, Oh dad, you didn't realize you can't get in, you know, like just when you show up. Uh, but yeah, that was my, and you know, then, you know, you're old enough then where people are like, Hey, what do you, you know, what are you doing? And it isn't because you're, you know, going to jail or whatever. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to play. Off. Like, Man, that's, you know, for one day I was, I was sort of cool as a freshman, I suppose, but then, you know, they lost. And, uh, yeah. Well, you can't win them all, I guess, which we're used to that by at this point. All right, you teased game one. Uh, the thing I like about some of these uh, meet the players conversations is oftentimes it turns out if not a, if not a favorite game or first game, I I happen to be at the game as well. And it tells me that I've chosen some pre- – I haven't just gone to all games, which would be easy, but I've chosen some pretty good games to go to. I, too, was at the World Series game one. And give me some of your memories there because by that time you are a, you're a yeah, fully formed like- fan. You are aware of everything that's going on and are hyped. Yeah, I was like 11. um, And it was a surprise to me, uh, my cousin and my grandpa. um, And then one of our other cousins came as well. And he's a Cubs fan, but like, um, is just loves baseball. So it was a great time. Um, Obviously ran into Ronnie Woo Woo, um, because, you know, it's everywhere. (laughs) So that was a time, um, which is hilarious. But yeah, we were sitting in left field. Um, I remember before the game, it was weird because all of a sudden it was like a thunderstorming, like a, kind of out of nowhere. Um, and it was really weird at downport, I think for probably like 30 minutes or so. Um, and then it like totally cleared up and it was like the perfect night for a baseball game in the fall. So, um, that was great. I mean, the Joe Creedy Homer, I believe put us ahead if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, God, almost that was forever ago at this point, which is like crazy. <laughs> um, and I mean, that was like awesome. And then, you know, Bobby Jenks coming out of the bullpen, like what everyone always looked forward to that. And, you know, Ozzy would like point and like show that he wanted the big guy and big like, boy. yeah, we like always loved that. Um, 
So, I mean, it was just like a blast. I couldn't believe that we actually had gotten to go and I was like so young. And I know that so many other people much older than me probably wanted to be there, but it's a, that's something I'll remember forever. It's probably my favorite sporting event that I've been to thus far and not far behind. It's probably this year's blackout game. That was awesome. as well. You, um, when you're 11 and at your world and you're at the world series, you might think in, in a moment, depending on how, you know, how, how sensitive a soul you are, you might think, Oh, geez, I've only been a fan for, you know, however many years. I'm only 11 years old. Geez, should I, boy, I, I'm one of the lucky people to be at this game. But then you see that they let Ronnie woo woo in and you think, well, yeah. okay, there's at least one person you should be angrier about than me because this guy's walking. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Let's skip to, even though it's not in your meet the players, blackout two i was at blackout one we did a lot of blackout hype when it came to once once it was announced that they were doing it because it's like yeah i guess they hadn't really truly had the opportunity to do it but the idea that that sort of you know went away as quickly as it did uh but they brought it back smart move so uh not the original but still pretty darn good uh what was that like being there that was awesome. That was probably my favorite night of like the entire last year. Um, I mean, just getting them in the playoffs was like awesome. Again, not including 2020 really just because that was like a weird time and no one could go to any games that season. Um, plus we lost in the first round, so we don't talk about that. <laughs> um, but I mean, the energy around the stadium that night was like crazy. You know, it was just everyone was in a great mood, like, it was a beautiful night outside and you just like walked in and it was electric and you were just like, the Sox are going to win tonight. Mm -hmm. And then like Dylan C started out pitching well until it like didn't go well. And then you're just like, Oh gosh, what is going on? And then, you know, we started scoring some runs and it brought the energy like right back, um, figured out the pitching situation for a little bit. And then, I mean, Yaz Homer, he is my guy. So that was awesome. Like, you know, I, I hyped him up all year. I will defend him to the end of time. Um, so that was great. And then, I mean, Laori Homer, like who could, you can't top that. That was just like, that's probably one of the best things I've ever seen. Like the most unlikely hero. And not only like, was it Laori, but he smoked it to dead center. Like just fantastic. Pretty good time to have the longest ball you've ever hit in the majors. That's a that's some pretty sweet timing. The guy, he's you know, he's got a sense of something. He's you know, I'm not gonna call him like Mister Mister Clutch, but you know, he he makes it memorable. That's for sure. Uh, okay, you were at the World Series um, and experienced that atmosphere uh, once once everybody dried off, and you are <laughs> at the second blackout game, which by so all the measures, first, the uh, first, oh yeah, second blackout, yeah, you know, uh, right, yeah. Um, and I always insisted, uh, the 2008 game to me was probably the most amazing atmosphere I've been part of, not because of the importance of the game. Okay. It's a tiebreaker game. Fine. It was an awesome game, Yeah. but just the, just the breathtaking aspect of really most everybody. I mean, when you look at the footage now, it seemed like it's still about nine out of 10 people really did follow the rules and were black, which is, was pretty uh, breathtaking. Uh, how is, how is your comparison having gone to the blackout game just last fall uh, compared to the world series, two different sorts of games, of course, but just atmosphere wise. Yeah. I mean, the Sox hadn't been in the world series for like a long time, obviously. So the energy around the stadium was, it was unbelievable. I mean, like there was so many people, everyone was hyped up and like, it was just like a different feeling. Cause you knew that that team was like special. Um, and, but you know, I was only 11. So I'm 
this last game that I went to, like old enough to have some beers and like really take in, you know, I'm sure. obviously important, but old enough to like really take in the feeling of everything. And again, like we had the unfortunate playoff run last year, I'm sorry, in 2020. Um, and then before that was until 08 and we've just been pretty terrible since then. So um, little flashes here and there, but, you know, especially coming off of that 2018 year, like you had mentioned before, like actually having a team that's in contention. I just think that it was like unmatched, but I wish we would have gone further. I mean, can't really top the world series. Cause I was a W and I mean, it was fantastic. Um, but they're just like, don't really compare. You know what I mean? There's like two totally different scenarios um, the towels, like it was just awesome. Like everyone would be waving them around and you could just see it across the whole stadium. And it was just awesome. And I don't remember if the 05 World Series, if everyone was like wearing a specific color. I want to say I was wearing like a white Canerco jersey. Yeah, but remember they did, that's another thing that gives 2008 and you know 2021 an advantage is that was like the trend was the thunder sticks, which, okay. Yes. But yeah, you had those white thunder sticks. That's like, right. Okay. So yes, it was not... That, I mean, granted, they didn't need it. They were just making the runs. So who cares? Yeah. You know, whatever the window dressing is, you know, we're not playing in Japan, you know, like a group cheers or whatever, you know, so who cares? Thunder six, whatever. But uh, yeah, when they need, when they needed it, tiebreaker game, playoff series, finally a playoff game at home, you know, the fans have come out, done the right thing, blacked it out and gotten, gotten wins. Uh, you know, okay. I guess two out of three, but Hey, uh, just a couple blackouts. That, wins. that second game, uh, the rain out killed like everything I feel like this year. That was just like, yeah. however, Carlos came out of the gate hot throwing 99 on the clock. And I was like, we are going to game five and we are going to win. Like right then and there, I was like, we're winning the world series. And then fast forward like two outs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, all hell broke loose. And then it was just like crying on the couch. Yeah. Everybody was out of gas. Uh, okay. I'm going to admit, uh, Christina, I have never seen, I've seen, some of, but I have never seen through your favorite baseball movie, The Sandlot. So <gasps> tell me what a jerk I am for not having ever seen The Sandlot. First of all, <laughs> that is so wrong. <laughs> and second of all, how are you going to run a baseball tournament and not even know like one of the number one seats <laughs> or a baseball movie tournament? Oh my gosh. Well, Sandlot is one of the best movies of all time. And if you probably should just watch it. I mean, it's never too late. <laughs> you know, and I'll admit since, um, since we did the tournament, it just happened to be on, I think the original, I did find, see for the first time, the original angels of the outfield and knowing the one that came out in the nineties was sort of goofy. It's got McConaughey and like center field. And there's like angels, special effects, grabbing yeah. players and make, <laughs> a little weird. Uh, but actually the original one is really sweet and the, and the, the gameplay on the field isn't actually too bad, uh, at all. Uh, that I think has made its way into the field of 32, uh, next year. Nice. Sandlots, uh, I don't really remember what the seed was. You know, obviously there's no science to this. Uh, I certainly, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know if the Sandlot was the only one I hadn't seen. There probably was at least another one. I, I don't think I'm, uh, any baseball. Yeah, I hadn't seen part. a few. So it's, I'm not hating on that part, but I mean, the Sandlot. Well, it was not in my sweet spot as a fan. Obviously, if I was of a certain age, of course, I would have seen yeah, it. Like, to me, that's like, you know, I don't know, Bad News Bears. You know, I was probably hitting me about the same age as Sam I hit you. And it's like, well, you know, what choice do you have? You got you to see it and you love it and you think, wow, it's so cool and it's kids playing baseball. 
Uh, but I will. Yes, I probably will make an effort before the next <laughs> tournament comes around. Not that I was trash. I wasn't like trash talking fan or anything. You'll, you'll still enjoy it. Like it's like kind of takes you back to, I mean, that it takes place much um, earlier, I believe. But like, you know, in the 90s, like the vibe was literally getting your friends to go to the park down the street and throw a ball around or whatever it is. So and even into the 2000s. So it was like, you know, relatable and kids just kind of being dumb at the same time, but um, it was great. And then, you know, the Babe Ruth legend, it's just like, it was hilarious. <laughs> that is what I've seen. I've seen them talking with James Earl Jones and like discovering, mm-hmm. you know, like seeing the, you know, so I, you know, I, I have taste, I have taste, but okay. I promise you, I will make an effort to see. We'll this let you off the hook. So, all right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> are you actually going to, I mean, not implying that in any way you'd ever be a, a scab for the 2022 season. But uh, that said, there's not a lot of activity on the second base front of the White Sox. Are you considering offering your services to the White Sox at the Keystone for 2022? You know, Rick hasn't reached out to me yet, but my line is open. Okay. Um, or maybe he's still sitting at the table. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he's, he's just hoping to get from the kids table to the big people <laughs> table. And you know, I think that's really his focus now, but, uh, but I mean, yeah. I can't step on Leori legend shoes. Like he's a legend. So yeah, as much as we might all be disappointed if he is a, a starter in 2022, if enough other things get covered, I could see if, if Leori is like the weak spot on the team, I think we could live with that. If he's the clear weak spot, if there's like, well, okay, of four bad spots on the team, he's one of them. That's going to be a little bit uh, depressing. Mm-hmm. And that's the way the, you know, before everything froze, that's sort of the way things were starting to look. Cause you know, as much as we can talk about like, man, Rick Hahn's going to go get Michael Conforto or another starter. And not, yeah. not based on the ellipses that we left the, uh, the off season with last year. So we'll see if maybe, maybe he will, in the interim, he maybe will have graduated from kids' table to to adults' table, and hey, he may have a little bit more money to throw around. Yeah, I'm not bad in the outfield. I can make it happen. Okay, all right, okay. <laughs> right field, second base, really is ideal. Money. <laughs> hybrid player going second base, right field is ideal. So if you if your resume, Ryan, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, before we go to our break, Christine, I'm going to just ask. This isn't one I always ask, but I'm curious to know. When um, some clod over at Southside Sox says, hey, uh, you think you might want to uh, do some stuff with this? Uh, what goes through your mind? Uh, like writing, you mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, you messaged me and I was kind of like, oh, this is so random. And then you were like, I've been noticing your Twitter for a while. And I was like, oh, my God, I feel like I tweet just total BS. <laughs> like, <laughs> joking around about it. Good thing. so I mean at least I'm on brand uh but yeah I was kind of like oh this is a fun opportunity and just like you know I watch and dedicate a stupid amount of time to the socks already so I guess put it into good use and it's you know it's something fun to do in free time too like I mean the CBA is kind of a pain but like only because it's not being signed (laughs) so I mean yeah it's been great like I've enjoyed it I mean the people that um, also our contributors are awesome people, um, that I've gotten to know whether at games or just via Twitter, which is like a insane way to go about it, but it's been great. I enjoy it a lot and I'm looking forward to actually getting a season to start so that we can, you know, do some more, anything related to baseball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, given our present, what seems to be at this point with this unruly mob on the masthead, I mean, it does seem like at this point, I mean, not to steal from the 108 in the least, but it really does seem like at any given home game, 
Southside Sox can just like take up a row because it seems like there's yeah. always people there. There's always photographs out there. It's pretty much getting to the point where it's uh, every game. So that's a, that's a cool thing. Now, yes, I promise, Christina, you are not always going, this isn't any kind of hazing ritual at all. You're not always <laughs> going to get the worst uh, opportunities. I'm not only going to, we'll I'm not going to only offer you like Kansas City Royals games to cover, you know, <laughs> trust me, you're uh, have, taking the bullet that is labor negotiation writing. You know, that earns you some good points here. That earns you some good points. So, uh, it could be worse, you know. I mean, there's not that much that happens each time. So it's really just complaining about them at this point. Well, speaking of complaining about them, we're going to take a quick break, everybody. And when we come back, um, you know, who knows? If you didn't want dessert first, maybe you, you have already listened to this second half and you're just now finishing the podcast. You just said, you know what? I don't eat the Sunday first. I don't make that appetizer. I'm a meat and potatoes guy. So I did the tough part first. So go back now then and enjoy uh, uh, first half. Enjoy the meet the players. But for most of you traditionalists, now's the time for our break. Listen to what SB Nation has to tell you. We'll be back in about a minute to talk <laughs> labor negotiations. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, White Sox fans, we're back. Second half of a Meet the Players podcast. It's our new player jumping right in with both feet, both arms, uh, a heavy tolerance of boredom. It's Christina Erdo. Uh, you may have already noticed her as, it's a crazy handle, but I'm going to just, you can figure it out. I'm not going to do that whole like down slash whatever thing, but it's just, it's little Katina. Uh, I take it based on the little that you'd be maybe running point guard on our hoops team, or are you just trying to throw us off? Uh, I mean, if they need me, they did if probably a few weeks ago, I could have tried out and maybe had a chance. <laughs> um, but, you know, I haven't been working on my jump shot, so perhaps not. Um, it's a dig at like how Trump spelled little a few years ago in a tweet, and it just cracked me up and easier to spell out than be different. I don't know. <laughs> just kind of pick something. Well, you know, it, it at some point, you'll just move on to uh, weather weather nerd uh, Katina, uh, just like Mike Trout. Out uh, me like that. <laughs> <laughs> just like Mike Trout, uh, we got uh, Erdo here, uh, uh, confessed weather nerd. So you know, uh, during the season, probably want to check the Twitter account. She's using, you know, oh man, maybe, uh, just checking the radar. You know, she's lived through almost World Series snow. I think it was the second game where it really was like wintry mix but both yeah, games that was weird. both games were miserable and you know that's what happens when you play 162 games and series go long and you know it's getting close to halloween and you're still trying to see if the team can win the world series but 
that's in the rear view mirror, Christina. We have to look forward and no matter what, we have to swallow hard here and we have to talk a little bit about labor negotiations. You have put in a yo woman effort uh, in covering this for us. I put out the word and said, hey, anybody want to do this? And I'm not sure what I was expecting. I figured I'd probably hear my voice go back to me. Uh, but you said, hey, you know, I'm going to give this a try. And, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily any sort of uh, rocket surgery or brain science, but it is, it does take some dedication to sort of try to figure out the issues, try to express them in a way that maybe is, if not fair, uh, at least um, colorful and even-handed enough to not have too many people get too angry about too much bias, although I don't frankly care. Any of you, any of you out there listening who are siding with the bourgeoisie, uh, listen, you're not going to get any sympathy for me. We know there's a right side here and a side that's not quite so right. Uh, but at any rate, labor negotiations 2022. Uh, give me your overview, uh, Christina. Tell me what you're thinking about where things are at right now. I'm thinking, I mean, I haven't heard anything come out of today's yet since I believe they ended meetings like right before we got on this. Um, but uh, I, it, it's not looking good. And I don't know. I mean, yesterday, Jesse Rogers, ESPN guy, he had tweeted like while things were kind of wrapping up and his only thing was it isn't good. And it's just like that pretty much sums it up. Uh, they're just so far apart on everything right now um, that I just don't see unless unless the like the league actually kind of is like, OK, maybe we can concede here if we're going to get X, Y and Z. You know what I mean? It's just the players have come back a few times. They've lowered their proposals to try to you know make some headway and then it's like we take three steps back every time so I have no idea what they're doing for five plus hours every day um I don't know if it's Scherzer and you know one of the league guys yelling at each other the whole time like it's just I I have no idea and how they're going to get this done I don't think it's going to happen by Monday that's for sure yeah, of course, uh, Monday being the league's uh, imposed deadline. And, you know, realistically, it's not like they're being, like, onerous about it. It's just like, okay, we feel like, and, and players probably would agree, um, that though six weeks of spring training is too much, anything less than four is probably unrealistic in terms of uh, injury and rushing to get together. There's going to be, no matter what, at this point, because things have been truncated, there are going to be uh, more than expected uh, injuries, whether it's just specifically pitching or just guys with their hamstrings. You've got to remember the White Sox had 8 million hamstring injuries uh, ever since, you know, <laughs> ever since Johan uh, tested positive for uh, COVID. It seems like we've been a little bit snake bitten in a way the White Sox traditionally haven't been. Uh, so that's a, that's a done deal. At this point, just booting a couple weeks of spring training means we're already in a position where guys are going to be compromised. But the league has said, hey, uh, if it really gets into March, uh, we cannot start uh, uh, the opening day on March 31st. Games are going to be canceled, and we can sort of uh, mock that and say, geez, these guys are such Debbie Downers. But also, you know, it is you know, this is just realistic. Uh, guys do need time uh, to ramp up. Um, it makes me wonder, Christina, why only – I mean, really only this week has negotiation become serious enough to meet every day – uh, you know, it's easy just to roll your eyes and say, well, come on, they had, you know, the, the World Series ended in, you know, October or whatever, you know, why didn't on November 1st, they start trying to hammer this stuff out. And it makes you wonder if either side, particularly ownership, who stands to lose the most, um, if not everything the way the players do, but stands to lose the most, wouldn't have some urgency to just try to at least hammer some of this basic stuff out. So at this point, maybe they could be trying to break down the 
true you know issue here um any insight as to why you'd be waiting the way they have the league you mean yeah just this negotiation yeah. in general but yeah the league yeah. driving I mean, this. you're that's a million dollar question i you know, they did fine. They didn't meet after the world series. I get it. Like, you know, things are happening. People are signing and whatnot, but you locked out the players on the second, um, barely did anything before that. And then like waited, what is it? 43 days. That has been the hot number. Like what, what were you doing the whole time? Like the players sent their proposal and you didn't say anything about it or even attempt to meet. So like, who's in the wrong here? It's just like, it's weird that, you know, they're so like dead set on, oh, we're not going to play the games or, you know, the players aren't going to get paid. And it's like, well, like, you know, we're doing this now crunch time when there was so much time before this. And then even before this week, they were only meeting once or twice a week anyways. And what that one meeting was like 15 minutes. And then the other was an hour. It's like, there's not, you're not getting anything done. You're not getting through the CBT. You're not getting through salary. You're not getting through the arbitration pool. There's just there's not enough movement. And then when there is movement, it is like minuscule. Like there's like nothing that's going on. So I don't know. The pl- I don't understand why the league is so dead set on letting themselves lose revenue because the players could easily just be like, fine, if you're not going to do this, then we're not going to give you expanded playoffs and you're going to lose out on like a hundred million of revenue and whatnot, you know, just when they could just be getting this done, finding some mid- middle ground, which there has been some concessions, but you need to, actually be worthwhile the play you know they're crying poor like Jeff Passan had posted the the Atlanta Braves information earlier I don't know if you saw it but like they had a huge revenue profit but then some of these other guys are trying to say like oh no but they had xyz operating costs yeah but they made so much money like Mm -hmm. you know and what the players are asking for isn't really outlandish especially when I know people were comparing it to like other sports leagues all week that like they're getting paid so much less like per game and everything. And they're putting in, you know, even more time. I understand that the sports are different, but there's just, there's so many things that they are just like very, just not close. And I, who knows what happened today, but I can't imagine it's anything that substantial or we would know about it. Yeah. yeah. And let's not forget, you know, it's, it's not that um, criticizing, criticizing ownership, uh, because, um, you know, I, I guess my point is it, it's not, it's not even the amount, you know, the Atlanta Braves information, I guess is what I'm trying to get around to. Sure, uh, yeah. You know, okay. It wasn't, you know, okay. So it's not a, some kind of outlandish profit. I know there's a lot of hedging you can do. And I know the report that's put out there isn't necessarily the full story. It's the type of report you put out when you want to show you're profitable. So, okay, let's even assume it's, you know, 10, even 20%, um, sunnier than what, what the reality is. Well, the, okay. The claims that ownership wants to make, the things like commissioner, the commissioner, when he says you'd have done better in the stock market than owning <laughs> a baseball team, when the claim has been, at least traditionally, I don't know what the latest claim has been, but the claim's always been most teams don't even make money. I mean, we can we can say that's just patently false because you might say, okay, well, I was a good team. They made the playoffs here <laughs> in the World Series, won the World Series. Uh, okay. But I mean, that also sort of ignores the fact that like Cleveland runs on no budget. So many teams have run on no budget, uh, and whether it's players, whether maybe what they put into their stadium operations, et cetera. So, you know, there's still ways, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to look at the, you don't have to assume the Braves are going to be the most profitable team out there because oh. you know, they're the last one standing for crying out loud. And, you know, to another point of, of what you're talking about, Christina, the, 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 the notion that, you know, perhaps, 
writers in general, certainly our sites, certainly seems like our site writers, certainly your writing, the tone has been more pro player. Well, you know what? A lot could, that could turn completely over if it was the players who sat for two months or yeah. who gave one proposal back in the, in the course of like three months. I think we'd be, maybe it still wouldn't be as critical as we are right now, owners having done that, but we would be critical saying, hey, what you want to, you say you want to play, but you're not even bothering to put together a proposal. Forget even a legitimate proposal. You can do this dumb little ping pong thing where they you change 1% each time. As long as you do, yeah. you do it three times a day. Well, okay, eventually those 1% are going to add up and you're going to have a deal. Uh, so, you know, the notion that's like, well, you know, it's just anti-ownership, you know, anti-billionaire or whatever. Well, not necessarily. They've been very lazy about this. And, you know, if you want to say, oh, that's too suspicious to think, well, they, they, they want to lose a season. They want to lose games. Well, okay, that's probably a, maybe a bit of a paranoid take, but it's, it's not unfounded completely based on the fact that they've right. been so laissez-faire in this approach. You know, really to this week, and we still don't even know, as you mentioned, what's actually going on there. If it's just shouting or, or, or moping or just silently paging through, you know, binders. Right. Uh, I, you don't get the impression there's a lot of wrestling going on because there's no movement which would lead you to believe, you know, based on what you've been writing for us all week, uh, that ownership, it just expects players honestly to crawl. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that. I mean, it's, it's just really weird. The timing thing, like, like you just pointed out, it, there's no reason that it needed to get to this point. I mean, the lockout didn't need to happen in the first place. Like that's been established that, okay. you know, they could have just been doing, they could have been doing this. The blacking the entire out time. of the faces. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. Like it's so wild. It just, I don't know. And then if Rob didn't even show up at, to any of these meetings, you know, until today. So who knows what he brought to the table? I can't imagine it was anything, you know, significant based on his previous comments and everything. But I just, I, I really don't see why they would want to miss out on games. I really don't. Like we had the shortened season in 2020. Um, it was a pandemic. It's been, you know, the two last two years have sucked. Last year, we finally got baseball back. Um, with capacity, you know, it took a few months to even get to that point. And so again, like losing out on some revenue there, and then you want to do it again over, you know, what seems like kind of in a, in a way, kind of trivial numbers, like, you know, they're the salary, like that has barely increased, you know, over the years. And it's not been by small percentage points, you know, but the, but the revenue is going up like every year and you're already in like almost $11 billion for the league. Like there's money. It's just, it's like, that's what's annoying, I think, to everybody. And I don't, I don't really get it from the side of like why people are, would be upset with the players. Um, you know, why wouldn't you want, you know, these young kids that are coming up that are talented to get an, more of an opportunity to, you know, get their share? Like minor leaguers, we know they don't get paid. So it's like you get here and you should have a step up. So I just like, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, it's still, yeah. I mean, this, this isn't a uh, minimum salary for every professional player out there it needs to be yeah. uh, six figures. This is talking if you crawl your way all the way to the majors. And, you know, if you, if you get sent back, uh, Major League Baseball still wants to be able to, I know this is a, a minor point, but still point of contention, the, the number of options. I mean, yeah. Right now, baseball exactly. can send a guy back him down a, a thousand times. That salary is prorated. It's not like, you know, everybody has this, and this guy knows you play one day in the majors and you get like free healthcare for life. That's a crazy, like old wives tales out there. The, 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 the impression that, you know, okay, you made the opening day after and you went down the next day or you got hurt. 
and, and so, hey, you're good for your uh, $580,000 or whatever the minimum salary was in 2021. That's not the case. That's all prorated. So you go right back to your 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 Charlotte salary if that's where you spend the, the rest of uh, the season. You have to be in the majors the whole season. You know, it has to be a yep. whole season to even get that, whatever, $580,000. I mean, they're, they're not handing money out. And, and we're quibbling over the, the guys who are lucky enough to actually crawl their way into the major leagues. And, you know, the idea that that can even be contentious, I know everything you have to negotiate, but uh, the, the fact, Christina, that right now you could just, you, you could stop right now and, you know, like agree, whatever, freeze it where it is or, or, or split it down the middle. Players lose. I mean, yeah. based on prior negotiations, based on, well, come on, history. Ownership always wins. It's just how much are they going to win? You can stop it right now, split the difference, and the players have lost. You know, yeah. at this point, it's just how much are you going to force them to lose? And the idea that it's this, there's a little sadistic twist to all of this, where it's just like they may be willing to cancel a season. They want to see the players uh, 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 suffer. They want to yeah. set, I mean, you see things thrown out like, they want to take it all the way back to like the Messersmith decision. They want to take it back to the mid seventies. It's like, what, how is that healthy in the least for sport that, you know, as it is, you know, it, it, it's not the NFL. I mean, as it is, it's, it, it's struggling enough that you probably shouldn't be wanting to slash your own tires. Yeah. I mean, there's 162 baseball games. Like it's, it's, NFL is easy to watch 17 games or whatever a year. Like it's one day every time. Like if you're a baseball fan and like want to like actually pay attention, like there's so many games you're catching up, maybe not watching all of them, but you know, you're trying to get people to watch as many as possible of the product you're putting out. So alienating the exact product that is going on the, like to play for you and make you a boatloads of money is I, I have, it just, it makes no sense. Like it really doesn't. That's, that's why it's so puzzling, I think. And I, and understandably why the players have been, you know, so angry and tweeting about it too, because they're basically just like, what are we doing? Like they're, it's a small drop in the bucket. Like they're asking for 775 K and they could be asking for so much more. Yeah. And the league is like, here's like less than a hundred grand um, run with it. And yeah that's just not going to cut it. And like the same goes for the bargaining tax or whatever. Um, it's, it's barely in- increasing. The players aren't even asking for that much. It's like $30 million or something like that. And it's like the owners have increased it by four. It's just, and it's, it's 2022 now. Like maybe these numbers existed. Yeah. For this previous CBA, that makes sense. But like there has been inflation. There is like things cost more and it's just, it doesn't make sense that they're not increasing their side as well because it there's just no reason. And, and players can pull back. I mean, yeah. the, imagine if the players were hardline. And I know if, if you have um, sympathy toward the ownership side, hi, Jerry, if you have sympathy toward the ownership side, of course you can be like, oh, wait, come on. They're super hardline because of this, this, and this. Okay, let's just assume, no, they're not as hardline. As they can be. Imagine if they were hardline, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd be saying, well, boy, too bad in the middle of the contention window, we didn't have a season because that really sucks. It will be dead. The idea that the, the, the players even coming sort of willing to play ball. And again, that's their position. They don't own the team. They don't, you know, they're not, they're not buying the baseballs and rolling them out for, for batting practice. I, you know, I get it. Uh, and ownership will always win these, but the idea that, uh, that they could be, I mean, they, they, they already know 
I think they already have a sense. They almost can't lose. They're certainly winning the battle for hearts. Uh, the social media use they've, they've, they've done has been, you know, it's not brilliant or genius. It's just they're saying stuff. They're being honest about it. I think they're being yeah, direct about it. They're sticking to, they're sticking to message. And, you know, of course, ownership probably by definition isn't really going to do that. Not wise. Somehow Steve Cohen's shut up in New York. So, you know, that's a big plus <laughs> there. So I can't believe he has. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, I'm sure the, the hour, the sand and hourglass was almost out and we're going to hear something crazy, but you know, uh, you know, the idea that, you know, they could, they could tighten it a lot worse. And, you know, of course, us fans are gonna be like, oh, forget, we've seen comments, you know, side, side, side. So it's, oh, forget both of them. I, you know, I hate both sides. I just want baseball. I, you know, I'm hungry for it. I deserve it. You know, I need it, you know, which is fair. That's a fair sentiment, but uh, the players are not even putting themselves in a position to be looked at necessarily as, as the equal villains here, because they, they do seem to at least becoming, in in somewhat the spirit and they, and again they they show up knowing i'm sure if you ask lucas Giel, he knows lucas Giel will say we know we're, we're already compromised you know whether it's because of of poor past poor negotiations or just they own the team you know they're, they're not going to take over baseball there's no players league yet i you know my fingers are crossed but there's no players league yet uh you know the idea that ownership can't—you gotta have to throw a bone. Like you, you're, we've been talking about this, this minimum salary, just a, just some dumb little thing. You know, uh, every Sunday game off, or you know, every Monday's off, or what, whatever that might, you know, uh, is is not not promising as we really are ticking toward the last couple of days of being able to preserve a 162 game season. Yeah, I mean, I think we're probably going to end up starting the season mid-April. Would be like a shocker at this point. Like, I think we're probably looking at like a May one at this point. Um, Because there's still, I mean, they're a hundred million dollars apart in the arbitration pool. And that's been a really big, important piece for the players. Um, I mean, they're so far off on salary and then the players actually adjusted it where I think they were like, we're lowballing ourselves, um, especially if we're giving you playoffs and they want 14 teams, which is like ridiculous. So I don't understand why you want to put half the league in the playoffs. Like the first round is just going to be a nightmare. And you know how baseball is like anyone is going to win in those situations, which is fine. It's a good thing. I enjoy that. But I mean, to have that many people get to go in and after not performing that well during the season, is kind of, you know, doesn't really make sense, but 12, I guess, is a little more fair. That's kind of, I think that's what it was for 2020, if I'm not mistaken, something of the sort. But like, that was fun. We liked that. That was good. But you're going to miss out on that if you're not willing to, you know, put put something, put some money somewhere because it's just not happening. And the players are like, we're not doing it. And I don't blame them. And it seems like they're willing to lose out on those games. And um, like you said, they've been losing really in this whole argument for, decades it feels like so it's good that they're putting their foot down and they're also looking out for players that will be coming into the game you know over the next several years so um getting them in a situation where they could be successful is important I mean how else are you going to grow the game if you're not getting you know high caliber players that really want to come play for your league there's just you know like we'll stay in Japan we'll stay in Korea it's stuff like that so yeah imagine if players said you know what I mean thank goodness because there was some question about how much how much the established major leaguers and the the leadership the most vocal the Max Scherzer's out there I mean Mm -hmm. God knows he's really showing up and saying hey I am willing to lose whatever the ungodly amount per minute he makes but he's willing to lose it but for this principle and there was some question about how because in the past some of these the one of the probably big whiffs 
the Players Association uh, has had in the negotiations is sort of forgetting the guys coming up and allowing such a crazy service time uh, manipulation, for example. Uh, players could easily say, you know what? We're union. Every player who signs a contract, union. They could, yep. take, they could take, I mean, granted, you can call that crazy, but I don't know. They're all players. Maybe you have different levels of uh, benefits, obviously, if you're uh, uh, playing uh, in Glendale versus in Chicago on the South Side. But uh, they, th- that's not a stance that's crazy uh, by any stretch. They're not even thinking about it. They're barely trying to make some concessions for the guys coming in, make things a little bit brighter, protect them a little bit better, keep them from getting jerked around like 12 times a year, yeah, know, going back and forth, losing their apartment, you know, all that, all that chaos. Uh, so they're almost minimally caring for the guys coming up. And even that seems like it's too much. Now you gave a little tease. We've talked about it in prior podcasts and I've asked for prediction from people. I've managed to be the most dour, I think so far, I think crystal, because it's her birthday. I want to say, you know, I keep forgetting because it's Colleen's tune. She's going to get mad at me June 18th or June 17th. I modified it from first day of summer and I pushed it uh, more optimistically a few days up. So I'm guessing I'm saying still, June 17, June 18, uh, your thoughtful first game, not hopeful, but your thoughtful first game will be what, Christina? I'm I'm not hoping for May. I'm hoping they can figure it out over the next, I mean, I guess it would be like a month at this point. So they would have, or maybe not a month, but the next few weeks, get, get ready for April, get ready the end of March and get out there in May and get games going. You know, you're going to lose a month of games um, and it's going to be a problem, but I don't see them making them up at this point. It seems like, uh, you know, the MLB is pretty stern on the whole we're canceling games thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be, that's as optimistic as I'll get, I think, but um, I'm, I'm just hoping selfishly um, that it is that like my birthday is April 22nd. I always try to go to a game this year or for my birthday every year um sometime around there so at least if it's in may then it's like in the vicinity all right yeah okay you can, you can <laughs> take like a coupon sure uh, i just okay. think that they're going to continue to meet at least i hope so and then someone has to make a move and it has to be within the net it has to be soon if it, if it hasn't already happened so uh, how many times are you going to have yeah, i mean these daily meetings are great but how many times are you going to have how many days in a row are you going to meet and, and, and really sort of accomplished nothing. It's great that Rob exactly. Ranford was walking back and forth between camps <laughs> several times. And then owners and players were walking back and forth to get chili dogs or whatever together. That's, I mean, great. But, I mean, it's not good. And, 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 and as you pointed out in your writing this week, you're, we're still, I mean, the elephant in the room here is, uh, you know, is, is however you want to call it, the luxury tax, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest issue. And they're not, they're not even sniffing that because they know how far away they are. So, I mean... As right. much as you want to say, hey, look, they were all they were all arm in arm, and they were they were sharing a chili dog together. They ordered a pizza and they split it together. That's <laughs> great, but they are so far away. I mean, they're not even able to tell us. Okay, we decided ten playoff teams. You know, round of applause. Okay, next yeah. thing. We're not getting. It. They haven't. You know, I know that's not mm-hmm. how these things really work, but you think at some point they just want to float something out there, like we decided. You know, Montreal is going to get a team ten years from now. Just something right. to throw our. You know, too, unfortunately. You know. <laughs> but uh, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah it's. It just, it doesn't make any sense. It, like I said, it, it, it's puzzling and I will see. It's like all I could say. I mean, the, the tax is going to be the biggest stickler. The only thing they've agreed upon at this point is a universal DH, I think. <laughs> like that was like already pretty much a thing. So um, 
yeah, that pretty much sets up the point where we are, like the most trivial aspect of the C of, you know, the CBA and we're, you know, we're already postponed spring training. So we're already behind as it is and everything's crunch time. The White Sox, like I'm, you know, it's our, we're going to have PS, PTSD from hamstring injuries. And I'm really hoping that we don't get them again. Yeah. Um, but without being to, able to prepare properly like this, I just, it's, it's just a lot of question marks at this well, point. And just in talking to you here, uh, Christina, I'm, I'm realizing this is why ownership thinks it all sh- should be done. They've already given their concession. They said, okay, we can do universal DH. That's going to get a few more guys in the league playing ball. What else do you want us to do? <laughs> so they figure they're, they should be finished. And uh, they're just you figuring players are going to just you. come around. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, all right. This is a weird one to end on. It's not, it's a little, it's really a whole separate podcast, but I'm going to still ask it anyway. Um, because, you know, they, uh, they pay us by the second here at uh, SB Nation. Um, and I want to know, we hear a lot about, uh, like, the, few, the games. We, um, young people don't follow the game. Uh, you're killing the game. Um, and, you know, we brought up already the NFL. I mean, you, you don't, you can't go, first of all, and not totally a guy, uh, you know, NFL is centered on gambling. Okay, so, but I won't, I'll get off my soapbox there. <laughs> Uh, but you know, NBA, you say, Oh, the NBA, you know, it's, it's all different. Uh, the days of really any sport, certainly baseball being the national pastime, the sport, you know, those are gone. And for good reason, there's a lot of other things to do, including like watch other people play video games. There's just a ton of other things going on that you know, it's just not going to be the, the way it was. Is the idea that this sort of thing like kills the game, kills fans, does that, does that get overdone, uh, in your eyes at all? Uh, I would say sometimes maybe, um, because I mean, we've been going back and forth on all this CBA stuff for what it seems like years and it doesn't really ever get resolved except for like a small period of time. And then they're like, you know, back to attempting to negotiate some kind of deal. And yes, it's really frustrating. Like as a fan that consistently, like there is, you know, it doesn't just doesn't seem like the league is like actually caring about the game. Like they're more, so it seems like they care about the money, which like, you know, I get it. It's a, it's a $10 billion industry. Like I, that, it makes a lot of sense, but at the same time, like, you know, the whole thing started because the game and the game is fun. Everyone loves the game. They like watching people play the game. So if you're going to continue <clears throat> to alienate people in that sense and, you know, treat, treat fans, treat the game, like it's, you know, like it's not special, like it's not something that, you know, needs to be fixed or anything. I mean, there's been so much changes with the players that yes, like over the years, there's so much more technology. Like players are better. They're able to train and get better. So like some instances with the game, yes, makes sense. Like there's no need for a pitcher to ever hit again. Like I do not need to see a six foot six, however tall Giolito is attempting to hit a ball. Like that is pain. <laughs> um, so there has been some improvement. Hopefully there will be improvements like that, but you know, they just need to, continue to get the game out there and market it, but canceling games and not marketing, you know, the game is, is not going to help anything. You have super exciting players, especially like Sox fans. Like Tim Anderson is so cool. My two little cousins, they're uh big uh, soccer fans and they like play soccer, but they get excited about baseball and stuff. Like when I like talk to them about it or just like, you know, the field of dreams game, like that was awesome to get fans back into it and everything. Cause it was so magical. Um, it's like, you don't, you don't hear that though, as often, because it's like, what's different. Nothing's, nothing's happening. You know, you have like the same few players every year, but, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a yes and a no. It's a long winded question, but 
I think, I think that it's not ruining the game, like in my opinion, but that's because I've been so close to it my whole life, basically. But from the outside looking in, if you're looking and you're like, wow, they're not really not going to play games because they're arguing over money. It's kind of like, well, what the hell? <laughs> like, what are you even doing then? Because, you know, we haven't seen any cancellation games in a lot of the other leagues outside of like pandemic related. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's like a gray area, I guess you could say. Yeah. That'd be an interesting study to see like the 1981 dip or the 1993 yeah. uh, or 94, 95 uh, dip. If there was one, you know, we talked right. right off the top about how, you know, our, and not in your case, but how your, your dads or in your case, how our, our grandfathers get us into the game and get us into fandom. And, you know, that's probably going to happen no matter what. We're the established fans. One thing I've noticed, maybe it's just through the eyes that I'm looking at. I'm, we're all older people than we were in the early 90s, if some of us even were people in the early 90s. Uh, <laughs> That, you know, um, I'm certainly seeing people, maybe I just follow intelligent people out there, but, you know, saying, listen, if we have to miss some games in order to get things right, to write the ship, to have yep. it be a fair deal, you know, I'm okay with that. And I'm guessing that was not sentiment now. Of course, the issues are maybe very different, but I, don't, I can't imagine there was that type of sentiment in 1981 when the early 90s, so. you know, guys were putting their, you know, they were just eager to cut holes out of a paper bag to put it over their head to show how ashamed they were as a fan because that was a hot trend. Yep. 80s and you know so uh you know that's I don't know if that speaks well to the health of the sport or not but certainly the fact that fans maybe though the base might be smaller they might be smarter um maybe does bode well that they can sort of weather uh some knee-jerk reaction perhaps on SB Nation sites aside you know can weather this knowing that maybe in the long run we have to even miss half a season to get this right to get this right for a five ten year period uh, you know, maybe it is worth it as much as it hurts that it's in the middle of a rare Chicago White Sox contention window. Cause, you know, that's what's most time. painful, honestly. <laughs> I think that's why I get so angry because I'm just like, please, we just need to sign a right fielder. I will, Michael Conforto, need to sign Michael Conforto and then like get a pitcher, get, do something. I, we just, I just want to do something <laughs> and like get to a point where we're like, we find the team where we're getting to a point where we can contend again next year and, but better. Um, but, you know, doing all this is like, who knows? And I just, you know, being a White Sox fan, you're always kind of used to not hearing the worst. Yeah. And like that kind of stuff. So it's like, I'm trying not to put, you know, that much hope into it at this point, but it's like, oh, please just like, don't waste this opportunity when you have all this talent. I mean, Christina, we're different age fans. We're different fans. We have a lot of shared background. We have a different background. But okay, we're White Sox fans. Every year we got to deal with a certain level of stress because, as you alluded, yeah. one year we won't have a center fielder. One year we've got three pitchers. One year the owner says something or the manager says something dumb. We're already, every offseason we got stress. We got angst. Now we got pandemic. We got now we got war. We got now we got a lock on top. All these fans are freaking out like a oh, Mets fan or something. Well, Mets bad example, but a Red Sox fan freaking out like, hey, come on, sit down. We're White Sox fans. We're already at your level of stress right now. Now ours is like tripled because we exist there. Yeah, we do exist there. Even in these, and these are the good times, Christina. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I guess it'd be easier just to turn it off if you know, like right now we're the Cubs or something. But uh, uh, well, um, listen. Baseball, seriously, Jerry, come closer and listen. Yeah. 
get Christina off of the CBA labor beat. Get this thing <laughs> solved so she can cover some spring training games, so she can cover some real games. We all need this, but come on. Unfortunately, new Jared, gal here. She needs it. <laughs> Jerry uh, is giving us the middle finger behind the screen. That's for I know sure. you're listening, Jerry. <laughs> I know you're listening, White Sox. Come on, do the right thing. Hardliner. It's no fun <laughs> to die being a hardliner. Come on. Uh, all right, Christina, thanks. You've given us a lot of time. Uh, definitely a lot of pain, <laughs> including like right now, she pro- probably, if you're not watching, as we've been talking, she's just probably been typing as we've been talking to get yet another labor report out. Who knows, maybe even through the weekend, probably not tomorrow for reasons unknown, but probably not tomorrow. But uh, definitely as long as this thing goes on and as long as she can take it, she will be trying to write a little bit on this labor stuff. And hopefully that is a very, very short window. Um, Hey, you know what, Christina? My birthday is March 4th. Why don't we play some ball by March 4th? I'm going to revise my prediction. March 4th. 4th. Okay, so for both of us, Christina's best friend and me, let's play ball on March 4th, or let's let's weigh them and measure them on March 4th. That'd be great. Let's do it. Uh, Christina, thanks for taking the time out. You can read her here on Southside Sox. One day, she will be covering something other than just the labor beat, but for now, she's in labor beat jail, so please, Jerry, hold the key. Let her out. Uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, listening, watching, reading. Uh, we're not here without you. And, Christina, thanks for hopping on for our first podcast. Let's do it again many more times, talking about things perhaps not just CBA-related. Sounds good to me. Thanks so much, Brad. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast probably sooner than you want one, but we're going to give it to you anyway. <laughs>